listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and now on to the episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Skylit, a Skylight Books podcast. I'm your host, Mike Jeffrey. Skylight Books is an independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. We've returned to our regular business hours at the store. We're open every day from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We're asking unvaccinated customers to continue wearing masks, but if you got your shots, you're good to come in without one. And we're still offering online shopping and curbside pickup through our website, www.skylightbooks.com. And you can check out our upcoming events on our Crowdcast page, crowdcast.io backslash skylightbooks. I'm honored to be joined today by Keenan Norris and Tongo Eisen Martin, who will be discussing Keenan's new novel, The Confessions of Copeland Kane. Keenan is a novelist, essayist, and short story writer. He was a 2017 Marin Headlands Artist in Residence and has garnered a Public Voices Fellowship, a Callaloo Fellowship, and two Yerba Buena Center for the Arts Fellowships. He teaches American literature and creative writing at San Jose State University and serves as a guest editor for the Oxford African American Studies Center. He's the editor of the seminal Street Lit, representing the urban landscape, and Keenan's short work has appeared in numerous forums, including the Los Angeles Review of Books, Los Angeles Times, Alta, PopMatters.com, Boom, a Journal of California, and several anthologies of California literature. Originally from San Francisco, Tongo Eisen Martin is a poet, movement worker, and educator. His latest curriculum on extrajudicial killing of black people, We Charge Genocide Again, has been used as an educational and organizing tool throughout the country. His book titled Someone's Dead Already was nominated for a California Book Award. His latest book, Heaven is All Goodbyes, was published by the City Lights Pocket Poet Series and was shortlisted for the Griffin's Poetry Prize and won a California Book Award and an American Book Award. His forthcoming book, Blood on the Fog, is being released this fall in the City Lights Pocket Poet Series. He's San Francisco's eighth poet laureate. How are you two doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, you know, and I just wanna say real quick, uh, thank, uh, you know, thanks to Skylight, um, and thanks especially to the brother uh, Tongo for, um, you know, uh, being here and um, you know just sharing conversation. So. It's all good, man. Much love. Honored to be with be with you both. It's a real pleasure to have you uh, both on the show. We're really excited about Keenan's novel, uh, and if you wouldn't mind reading a bit from it before you and Tongo discuss it, it would be a treat. All right. So I'm going to read from the uh, very start of the confession of Copeland Kane. Um, the uh, so as some um, context for the book, the catalyzing event 
of the of the novel and the two catalyzing events of the novel um are that the you know pop um the main character copeland kane or cope as he goes by um one of his childhood friends is killed by a police officer in uh cope and some of his friends as well as others organize a protest rally in you know protest of of this killing and at the rally a police officer is shot and killed all the other organizers at least all of cope's friends who are organizers are arrested cope is still free and um, when law enforcement begins to publish his juvenile criminal record cope then decides that you know because the police aren't sticking to you know just the facts of the case but trying to tell a story about who he is as a person he must you know counter that narrative tell his own story so he contacts um a journalism major a friend of his who's in college his journalism major and uh and asks her to uh, record and later to publish his story um that story is not just the story of what happened on that day right but the story of cope's life and so the book begins not with cope but with jacqueline the uh the friend that he contacts don't worry about who i am like copeland would say don't vex or do it on your own time and about yourself don't vex me i have enough to worry about all by myself i stayed up all night last night with my thoughts and on this sleepless morning they are still with me maybe i should say yes yes i'll make this recording and risk my reputation and possibly my freedom in the process or maybe i should tell him to turn himself in make sure to text it to him put it in writing so that law enforcement doesn't go getting his black people confused who am i i could say more about myself but it would only reveal my methods of misdirection the real tell is what i decided to do with this dilemma that that boy has decided to drop into my voicemail like an orphan child onto my doorstep if i put my student journalist suit on there's no way i can say no to the wailing child not when his story is all but knocked on my door and asked me to tell it not when his story could make my career before i've even made it out of college and all i have to do is hit record that's a question not a statement that's all i have to do i have no idea what to do let alone what comes next only the cope's got to talk to someone got to tell a story to someone to everyone after all law enforcement via so clear has wasted no time telling theirs early reports indicate that the remaining fugitive is a male between ages 15 and 25 african-american athletic build has a history of criminal behavior as a juvenile investigators are reviewing his records a second bulletin states that if he does not turn himself in before their next scheduled briefing in two days time that they will bring charges they might charge a single individual or multiple persons maybe with one crime maybe with multiple crimes the public wants answers so apparently everything is on the table the timetable is even on the table charges might come sooner one part of me doesn't want to involve myself in this another tells me that i'm already involved that there's no way not to be involved maybe being black means there is no means of escape i'm always implicated even when when i have no connection to the crime even when it's only my heart that keeps me here thinking questioning fighting myself over freedom that boy 
he's out there phoning me like fear of arrest doesn't factor into his equation. Like fear is foreign to him, which I know it's not. Maybe he knows something I don't and has figured out how to evade the police and the news, but I, but I doubt it. As for me, I'm careful beyond careful not to state whether I'm contemplating my innocence in a studio apartment or a small condo or a townhome or a student hostel. And my city shall remain undisclosed, thank you. I police myself better than the police ever could. Here, how about I play detective on myself, interrogate my own imagination. Where might I be? How about an unaccounted for New York City cellar, underground, literally. And like Cope's phone, I'm old school. I testify under penalty of perjury that I am me and the far side is on the phonograph. I'm smoking the finest California Kush, so good they might recriminalize it. Meanwhile, I've strung LED lights across the perimeter of the ceiling to illumine me to myself. That story makes more sense than the other one repeating itself in my thoughts. That story is the one where I tell Copeland to play it safe, turn himself in, and prove his innocence in court. As soon as that story starts to take hold, and I make my mind up to call him back and tell him what to, to do, I hear laughter, loud, deep laughter. I'm laughing, but it's not my laugh, not my tenor at all that I'm hearing. It's something from the insides of the city instead, a boy laughing through the streets and my body so loudly that all I can hear is him and his laughing becomes crying and crying becomes testifying. He calls out through me, to me, ain't shit safe, girl. And then following that, we have Cope. I'm just gonna read from the very start of Cope's um, long monologue. They already arrested Keisha Free and DeMichael, snatched them up easy, cause so clear done searched out their location. And then law enforcement did that criminal contact tracing thing, followed them from their phones and whatnot, bagged them up. Long as we're talking technology, boss, you might as well know my audio comes to you unencrypted in this bootleg old pre-sage voice app, the most off-brand unheard of cell phone app you will ever encounter. It calls itself the Cayman Island of apps. Don't ask how I got this mess on my phone, but it's all yours truly got to work with right now. So you might have to trust me on this one, even if you're not trying to trust this technology. Real talk, Jack. I only ask the people hear me all the way out. It won't jeopardize y'all no kind of way, except maybe in y'all feelings. I can't tell you about your heart, Jack, but I'm gonna tell you what's in minds. Nobody wanna hear why shit hit such a swerve and went so left, but the fact is it was all kind of facts then built up to the one big fact. Excuse me, edit that. The one pivotal incident that everybody in their mama cares so much about. The crime in question, the weed that worked its way up from spoiled soil to choke the chief gardener. Now I'm giving testimony the only way I know how without having Mr. Miranda's rights read to me. I'm making a real record right now, not just of how that man got got, but about everything that got me here. Copeland Kane, the alleged accomplice, the fugitive, the ghost, the rabbit, the radiated, the remediated, medicated, incarcerated, the child who fell out of colored people time and into America, the whole deal to go against the apex predator they steady creating me into on the newsfeed every five minutes. And fair warning, I tend to th tell three stories to tell one and get sidetracked sometimes. But I'm gonna try and not do that shit.
Oh man, off the hook. <laughs> man. Um there there there's such a um you know you can really feel the the um the kind of living consciousness or the intelligent designer really uh moving as the um as the text moves. It really gives this 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 sense of you know almost like the, the you you can feel it uh, almost like life impro improvising itself as it does mm -hmm. in, in this in this uh, uh commonly observed universe that we you know what I mean have to have, have to kick it in how are, how how do you accomplish that you understand what i'm saying like as opposed yeah. to you know kind of like the sky was gray <laughs> like you it's it's yeah. really like a kind of, it's, it's it's much more of a a living kind of um, mm -hmm. of an yeah. organism or yeah yeah i mean i wanted I'm, I'm, I'm writing to be immersive you know um you know i'm a i'm a you know great uh, admirer of your poetry and there's a way that you know the poet's voice oftentimes because it's so visceral you know um you know i want it really gets to you like gets in your soul in a certain way that you know novels can take a long time to do it's kind of like they got this long wind up and you know you gotta wait 100 pages for them to get to what they're talking about mm -hmm. and i wanted to have more of that immediacy mm -hmm. and doing um you know writing the book um through these first person voices uh allow me to do that um just kind of getting in character you know honestly <laughs> you know just just um being in character and then just like the kitchen sink uh strategy like you know mm. nobody knows who i am i mean <laughs> i might as well yeah. just what i feel like right did, so. you, did you did you stumble in, in onto that conclusion was this an experiment you ran mm. with the, like eureka the first person yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or, or how did this story kind of exist for you first yeah i mean so a number of things so in terms of how the story existed first. Um, so a few things. So like Copeland has these different identities or these kind of different worlds through which he moves, right? He's, um, you know, he's a kid in East Oakland. He's a, um, you know, he comes, uh, you know, he's a, yeah, in the juvie system for a little while. He also uh, runs track and becomes a star track athlete, you know, prep school. Um, so he has all these different, and then he's a, you know, he's a political activist toward, you know, toward the end of his story. And so I was kind of inspired, one, by my father's experience. Um, my dad was a uh, All-American track runner um, and uh, at the college level and um, also was an activist and paid pretty heavily for that. Um, you can learn more about uh, what he and some of his uh, fellow activists at Fresno State went through uh, by uh, accessing the campus, so the campus unrest archive at Fresno State in their uh, Madden library. And so I was inspired by that. Um, and also a story that John Carlos, you know, I, I teach at San Jose State. And so we have the, you know, Tommy Smith and John Carlos on the metal stand. We've got that, the statue and my, and my, you know, my dad ran against both those, both those cats at the time. Um, so I've sp spoken to Mr. Carlos and there's a story told that actually begins his autobiography. Um, it's way before he gets into, you know, way before he's even a sprinter or goes to the Olympics or anything. Um, and that story, I, you know, I heard him tell it. I read it. I was like, oh, I, you know, I just started to get inspired. And I kind of saw the, 
the lines of, um, you know, the lines of inspiration going. Um, and then in like 2015, I, um, you know, after the murders, the police murders of Walter Scott, Eric Garner, and, you know, many other unarmed Black people, I, um, that also inspired me to, uh, you know, to work on the book. And then last but not least, I went to Kalaloo, uh, you know, African Diaspora Writers Workshop. Um, and I, uh, and going to Kalaloo and getting um, feedback on my first like 20 pages from those brothers and sisters, you know, Nafisa Thompson Spires, Tony Ann Johnson, um, many others. I, um, you know, uh, a lot of great poets were there. Um, you know, I, I, that kind of gave me the steam to get started with the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, that's so interesting. What if if, if um, I, I'm really curious just about the kind of like the the, the evolution of, of of your craft and you know like if you could name kind of eras, mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. could name incarnations of yourself, what would they what would they be? Yo, that's a that, that, I love that question. Thank you. Um, yeah, incarnations. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. I think, um, I mean, obviously you have like the Ellison reference there with the LED lights strung up and all that, you know, so Ellison definitely, I mean, my, my father gave me, um, when I was like 13 or 14, my dad gave me um, Go Tell It on the Mountain by James Baldwin. He said, read this, you'll know more about who I am. Uh, he gave me Native Son. He was from West Side of Chicago. He gave me Native Son next year. He said, read this. And you'll know more about where I'm from. And then he gave me Invisible Man. He's like, I don't really know. I can't really make heads or tails of this damn book, but I hear it great. Take it and figure something out. And he uh, and that book really just, um, you know, because it's like so surreal, it's got the first person voice. It's, um, you know, it's both like very real and surreal at the same time. So, I mean, Ellison's somebody through like a brook of fire through which I feel I had to pass. Um, more recently, like there's some brothers writing right now, like um, James McBride, Mitchell S. Jackson, um, Paul Beatty, you know, who just uh, use the first person in really remarkable dynamic ways. And not just first person, but like different levels of diction and everything like that. There's that line where Cope says, um, there was all kind of, it was all kind of facts done built up to the one big fact, excuse me, edit that, the pivotal incident. It's like he can move back and forth, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not um, you know, he's not easily just classified to one kind of um, you know, uh, what you call it, uh, you know, uh vernacular, you know. Mm -hmm. What what do you make of this kind of current? political moment we're in mm. um you know what 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 uh, uh or and, and how has that you you know how how has your analysis uh how's your analysis of of the of the times today kind of danced with mm. you know the the analysis that 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 bubbled up through the writing of the, of the book like yeah yeah i mean it's um 2020 was such a, uh, you know, in 2020 felt like this um, title shift, but really what it was, was a kind of a, you know, it was like sink, you know, the, the world sank its teeth into some of the problems that already existed that much deeper, you know, from, um, 
you know, the differential, uh, you know, healthcare that, uh, you know, people of color and black people especially receive. Um, and that's like encoded into the medical system. Um, and so you saw that, you know, played out in the most brutal ways possible with, with COVID to uh, climate change, obviously, and police brutality. And so I felt, I feel like um, that kind of like triple, you know, uh, assault upon the body politic, I think it vivifies for people, you know, all kinds of things we we're already dealing with. So like I had, you know, the people are in masks in my story at certain points, but you know, I didn't write that in 2020. That was already in my book before 2020 because mm -hmm. we were walking around masks, you know, a couple of years before that because of the fires, exactly. right? Um, we, we both know, you know, there's nothing new about, you know, um, police brutality and, you know, mm -hmm. Murders on armed black people and so forth, and so um, so I feel like in part it's just uh, you know it's like an intensification. We're living through a period of political intensification. Um, I also think that um, because uh, you know because of the uh, kind of polarized nature of um, of our civil discourse or uncivil discourse um, that you have like like objective reality is you know something a lot of people feel is on the table and so um there's a like um you know there's um there's a lack of uh like um you know like speaking across um you know across experiences across um you know um across political affiliations across race etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i wanted a book that you know um both was very much of Oakland, very much of a Black experience, but that also wasn't, you know, just like confined to, uh, you know, this, the, 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 the sympathies of Black people that, you know, um, you know, that could, you know, I, you know, could try to speak to, you know, a wider group of people. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's so much going on. I kind of feel like it's just like, mm -hmm. here comes everybody, here comes everything. Man, I really love your almost your your um man. You you you're so you're, you're so selfless, man. Um, even in your you know or or, or your your use of all of the rest of reality as like you know landmark and departure point for analysis, man, is is really is really beautiful. Um, is have you um you know is there kind of another thread of this this um. Uh, internal cultivation that you seem to display. You know? <laughs> like what other, what other, uh, what other habits and practices, man, go 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 into the making of what you do? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I think um, you know meditation is uh, something that I've um, probably about two years ago that I return to like, that had been a big part of my life for a long time and then I kind of strayed away from and coming back to that coming back to that kind of stillness did help me with um the editing of the book and kind of taking this wild mess kitchen sink thing that I created that was over 400 pages long and mm. kind of crazy <laughs> and and fashioning it down into something that people might actually want to read and that made sense on every page. Um, and so, you know, because I, I feel like we're all, um, 
you know, I'm a crazy mess of stuff and most people are. Um, I think that um, in order to, uh, you know, or at least in order to like write the kind of stuff I do, I have to, you know, like get, you know, out of my like workaday mind, um, my teacher mind, my, um, you know, uh, my other, you know, the other kinds of um, identities that are also part of who I am and kind of just, you know, not, not, not leave them behind, but get to a place where um, my language is as visceral as possible, where my mind is as settled as possible. Um, so, you know, running helps me, um, writing at night helps me, you know, um, and, you know, like just um, hearing, hearing people's speech, you know, like walking the streets and hearing people talk, you know, yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I'm interested more in that, that kind of like contradiction and cooperation, uh, mm -hmm. That, that exists between you know the the kind of the craft of, uh, of teaching mm, mm -hmm. and, and the and the craft of writing man what 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 else what else goes on in those trenches for you or ha have you noticed or you know yeah, you, yeah. learn to relax with yeah so i you know i teach uh you know creative writing at san jose state i've taught um in a couple kind of another mfa program before that um so i've taught creative writing for a few years now um i mean i think that it's um you know it is a challenge to kind of um take what i do which i feel is like you know like deeply birthed out of like very personal experiences like i um you know, I, you know, I, I kind of, um, and sometimes abstract them through fiction, but, you know, but I feel like the core of what I write in, in everything, you know, really from voice, narrative, ideas, like it's all very personal to me. It's all totally personal. It's a challenge to go from that kind of um, space uh, and trying to fully embody that to um, then teaching somebody else, you know, because I, I mean, honestly, I feel like I was born a writer. I don't feel like anybody made me a writer. I mean, people helped me, definitely. A lot of people have helped me, but, uh, but I don't feel like anybody made me a writer, you know? And so um, I think that one thing that I really want to stress with my students is, you know, um, <clears throat> is them, you know, honing their craft. I can help them hone their craft, but also that they need to like trust their vision. They need to have a vision and trust it um, and really, um, you know, and I think it's very um, easy because, you know, especially with a novel, like there are so many um, dips and so many times when you lose the thread and everything along the way before it's, you even get a first draft done, um, that can be very hard to do. It can be very hard to trust yourself. And so, um, so that's something that I, uh, you know, where I, where I challenge my students. I, I think also just, um, you know, bringing pers a perspective to them that, you know, most of them are not acquainted with, you know? I mean, I'm a black American teaching in San Jose, California is like 2%, right? Um, and so, um, you know, so, so that too, they, I think that um, I've, you know, I have a lot of their reading base, but I also have some other 
you know, uh, literature that I'm more aware of than they are. And so, um, you know, so reading lists, um, making sure that they're, you know, reading as widely as possible. And, you know, um, since we're all heir to everything that has been, that has been written, you know, said and thought. So, yeah. Right on. Back, back to, uh, back to, back to Cope, man. Uh, what, what, what were, were, were there other, um, you know, so you, you talked about, you know, kind of just like the, man, the, um, the, 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 the cosmic utensil, uh, mm-hmm. of these, of these first persons, man, are they, what, what were some other kind of, I don't know, uh, almost martial art discoveries you made along the way mm-hmm. as, you were, as you were writing your book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um. You know, it's interesting. Uh, You have a line in The Course of Meal where you say, uh, you know, apparently this, I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, so Mm -hmm. my apologies, but you say uh, something like, apparently, um, you know, dream requires more condemned Africans, right? And that really has stuck with me. I I mean, I almost made it the epigram to the book, so (laughs) (laughs) that's that's not, that ain't no joke, right? I mean, um, there's a, and, and Cope is, you know, you're talking about San Francisco, Cope lives in Oakland, but, you know, this book is set 10 years into the future. And so in 2030, and so, you know, basically I'm theorizing, you know, what will Oakland be like 10 years from now, nine years from now, right? <clears throat> and so, um, yeah, I mean, um, I think the um, one discovery that I made as I wrote the book was in like taking on speculative fiction, um, to the extent that I do by writing about the near future, I really had to uh, kind of learn how to think not on top of the moment, you know, like mm-hmm. something my editor really stressed with me is, you know, like we kind of, you know, yeah, so as we kind of figured out like exactly what the book it was, um, it's like you can't just write on top of the moment. So like some craziness happens here, you know, capital insurrection or something, or some other craziness happens or um, and it's like very tempting to just like, boom, you know, write what, what it is, you know, mm-hmm. but um, there is, but because the book's set in the near future, it's really thinking about, okay, this is what it is. What will it be? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was really challenging. That was really challenging. And I, I don't know that I'm always successful with it, but, um, but it was, uh, you know, that's something to, um, you know, I, I just think in general, that, you know, young writers can, um, you know, can learn from is, you know, um, it's one thing to like, just kind of tell the news, but what we can do is bring other martial arts, right, to, uh, you know, to our stories or to our, you know. It's such a beautiful decision, man, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and there's, I think there's a lot of food there. Um, what, not to, not, not, now, not to leave, not, not to leave Coke, alone but uh have you been uh uh what what experiments have you been running lately man what what what, what, what's been on your mind yeah yeah um so uh let me see i have a book lust uh luster uh coming out uh in a few months from nomadic press which i know we both we both uh, nomadic um and uh shout out to black freighter press too yeah right on Uh, yeah we and, uh, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, so I'm publishing as a novella um, and it kind of takes the other side of the game. So this is, 
you know, Copeland, Copeland's really about the, uh, you know, it's largely about like the police state and, you know, its impact, uh, the police state, the, the big tech state and so forth, its impact on marginalized people, people of color. Um, <clears throat> but um, Lester is more about uh, the, you know, the debts we owe each other, you know, and the responsibilities that we hold to one another, you know, within our communities. Um, and so, it's a book about a uh, young man who is, um, who's an ex-convict, he's come home, um, and he, you know, went to jail on a, you know, you know, just behind drugs and not nonviolent. Mm -hmm. But there is a crime that he did not commit, but um, that he's aware of, that he knows was far worse than what he went to, went to jail for, which um, he was negligent in his response to. Mm -hmm. And it's about the kind of reparative work around that. And so, um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up with that. Um, <clears throat> I have a nonfiction book uh, that I'm working with uh, through Ohio State Press about Chicago. Um, and uh, that's been, you know, that, that, that's been a rocky road with that one, but uh, I'm gonna try to finish it this summer. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to talk about just because you know, this like certain times you have a project and it just goes five different ways and you kind of lose the thread. So even as I like maybe have a success with one book, you know, one book or one story, you know, I'm also struggling, you know, with something else and kind of <laughs> don't really have it in hand, you know, and so I got a few things. Um, yeah. Hey, well, that's heroic though, man. You, you, you keep a lot of, you know, you keep a lot of worlds uh, uh, multiversing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm jealous, man. You know, I'm kind of with one, one, one trick pony on one in one parking lot. <laughs> I'm one pony on one parking lot. But, uh, uh, yeah, man. Is there any, um, you know, any, any, any final thoughts? Um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I just say that um, what, uh, you know, um, I, I would just, you know, like people if they, you know, whether or not they read the book to, um, you know, try to uh, think about these cities, you know, that, you know, so many of us live in mm -hmm. and the kind of multiple and, you know, uh, conflicting pressures that all of us face. Um, what, you know, if things continue in the trajectory they are right now, what those cities will look like and what your experience will be of them, you know, in, you know, in only a few years time. Um, and take heed to that. Right on, man. Much respect, bro. Thank you so much for taking the time, Keenan and Tonga. That was a great conversation. Today's guests were Keenan Norris and Tonga Eisen Martin, and they were discussing Keenan's new novel, The Confessions of Copeland Kane. You can order your copy of the book or any of the others mentioned on today's podcast at skylightbooks.com or swing by and pick them up at the store. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.